0: Welcome to Death and Desserts, where we discuss the dark, disturbing, and beautiful elements of death whilst eating dessert. I'm Zaria.
1: And I'm Senna. And today we're discussing the funeral customs of Southern Europe. And today's dessert is a chocolate raspberry poke cake. It has nothing to do with Italy or Spain or anywhere in Southern Europe. It's just what I had on hand, and it came from a box, (laughs) If you would like to see what we're eating, you can check out our Instagram at Death and Desserts podcast. We're not tagging anything. Okay, I guess we should eat this, huh? It looks good. I know that it you It looks pretty, but I am scared. When I cut it, the sound it made, ugh. Poke cakes have a pudding or a gelatin or something like that in them like yeah. you poke it and then you pour that stuff all over it. So this has jello in it. It has raspberry jello and the noise that it made. I mean, can you hear that? It's it's very moist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think it's good. I don't hate it. That's for sure.
1: No, nope.
0: the Jello is an interesting poke cake phenomenon, but
1: I think you might be onto something. I think my biggest hesitation is this is a keto cake. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't absorb the same as a regular cake would have, because it's not made from flour. Right. But I think it works to its
0: benefit, because keto cakes tend to be a little bit more drier. Yeah, they do. And so, because you're getting the... <laughs> I sound like a culinary
1: <laughs> judge on Chopped or something. I usually it's to... really Yeah, I'm definitely not making it to Halloween Baking Championship <laughs> anytime soon. But it is... It's good, and raspberries and chocolate you can't go wrong i would eat this again hit me with some death trivia while i munch on my moist moist cake when i
0: belatedly finally got my butt up to help you with the research just the tiniest bit i kept running into articles that were mentioning blue zones have you ever heard of blue zone i came across the same thing this is the first time i've heard of it Okay. Well, here on Death and Desserts, we talk a lot about dying, and we talk a lot about dying well, but we don't really talk about living very often. (laughs) So this is going to be a little deviation, but that's okay. So blue zones are regions in the world where there's an unusually high proportion of nonagenarian and centenarian people. I guess some author and National Geographic got together and teamed up and like did tons of research and other scientists have been involved in whatnot, trying to isolate why these five specific regions outlive so many other people. So there are probably other blue zones, but for the main point of today's topic, there's like five regions where huge populations of their people are well over 90 and 100. That's
1: weird. It is weird. And like not invalid over 100, just like very healthy, still and like, functioning. Could,
0: yeah, exactly. Some of these regions also had like really low rates of like heart disease and really low rates of Alzheimer's. And so they're just, I guess, studying the similarities to see if they can isolate. So the author, I guess, used it for things and it tends to be kind of written in to like diet commentary. You know, people hmm. that are like talking about mediterranean diets and you know the healthiness of being vegetarian but it wasn't just that mm. so the five regions are barbagia which is a region in sardinia acaria sure. greece uh, Nicoya, Peninsula and costa rica the seventh day adventist population around loma linda california and okinawa japan so
1: like- specifically seventh day adventists
0: yeah yeah who who would know So, like I said, most of the commentary surrounding Blue Zones kinda emphasizes diet as part of the longevity of these communities. And not all of the commentary is like based on real science or peer reviewed research, but it does seem to be leaning that way. Most of these factors they figured were a combination of things like less smoking, lower body weights, less food, less meat eaten greater physical activity but the one that was surprising to me although it shouldn't be was factors like higher social cohesion religious attendance importance of family and less modern areas i I mean see that it's common sense but it still surprised me so the average american over 65 watches like seven hours of tv a day whereas in some of these communities they don't even have tvs and so they're
1: way more active for way longer stuff like that so you They're all outside playing checkers and stuff. They're sipping their wine. They're sipping their wine. (laughs) They're They're, outside They're eating their olive oil, you know. They're like...
0: (laughs) So, it was interesting to me because the study kind of pointed out that within Western Europe... Western Europe is very similar to, like, America, pretty Mm -hmm. much. But outside of Western Europe, you had communities that were way more family-oriented. It wasn't just nuclear family. You had extended family... And you had people that were way more involved in the church. And so those like social co- cohesion, along with reduced dairy and reduced meat and higher olive oil or whatever, like was making the people live decades longer than average. Huh. So I guess what I'm saying is if you want to live for longer than the majority of America, you're going to have to turn off your Netflix, make a community, eat less carbs, eat more healthy fats, ditch iron. Cause that's a whole article, part of the article, which was like eating too much iron can kill you or like reduce your livelihood. I don't know. As someone that's anemic, I can't even comprehend. Uh, Right. And then like maybe go to church, but I'd rather die (laughs) (laughs) with like steak in one hand and my iPad in another. (laughs) So, (laughs) and socialize. Are you kidding me? It just wouldn't happen. So there will be no blue zone. And this household.
1: Mm-mm. All right. Thank you for educating me on Blue Zones. Because when I was doing the research, I was like, what? How many are there? What is... But now you... There's need-
0: probably a ton, but for the author's purposes. And I guess when they usually talk about Blue Zones, it's those five.
1: Okay. Cool, cool. Speaking of some of those areas in Europe, we are going to Southern Europe today. And the first thing I learned is that there's like three microstate countries in Mm. southern Europe that I had never even heard of. Oh. (laughs) Like, I I didn't know they existed, and I certainly didn't know that they were countries independent of the countries that they're in. Mm. And the first one is Andorra. Andorra is a Catalan-speaking sovereign microstate bordering Spain and France. I didn't get population or anything like that like I did for the other ones. I should have done that. But because it's so small... Wakes and funeral receptions are often held in a local hotel. Really? Um, non-religious funeral ceremonies are also performed there. But, you know, if you are religious, the ceremony itself is performed at the church or at the gravesite, mm-hmm. And then... The wake part is at a hotel, which I found really interesting. As in most Catholic countries, if you die in Andorra, you're given a Catholic funeral, unless otherwise specified. And because it's so small, and and I've noticed this... In most of the other countries as well, they have niche graves, which are basically the oven tombs in mm-hmm. New Orleans. Very similar, if not exactly the same. And there are restrictions on buying a niche tomb. Uh, you have to be Doran mm. if you want to buy it. And even then, there's a lot of restrictions, but anyone can rent one. Mm. So you don't have to be from Andorra or anything like that, or even a resident there to get a niche for six years is the lease. And then after that, your remains are placed in a common grave. Mm. And this practice is held throughout Spain and Italy. Like I've noticed it pretty much all over Southern Europe. So, I mean, they do the same thing. And but, all the other cemeteries, <laughs> like, I mean, nobody has a permanent resting place, it seems like. No. I guess because the countries are schmo- so much smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And they have been very populated for a very long time. Yeah. While I was looking, I found a some local folklore that is very much about death. The La Dama da is a powerful spirit that protects the country of Andorra from, I want to say, their southern gate, has a giant tower, and I looked all over the place for her story, and everywhere that actually talked about it that was in English that I could read, they were like, and we'll tell you the rest in the next post, and then there is no next post. It was so infuriating. So I have no idea her origins, except that her family was posted in the tower or owned the tower or something like that. And somehow she came to die there. Like, I don't know if she threw herself off the tower. Nobody would tell me. But uh, her spirit protects the country and has actually stopped invaders at that gate. Like, they were like, oh my god, it's a ghost! And they ran away. (laughs) <laughs> Which I think is awesome. And at one point, her spirit actually talked to someone and told him as long as her spirit is there at the southern gate, Andorra will remain an independent country. So that's all I know about that.
0: <laughs> Listeners, if anybody knows any Andorran
1: information about the spirit, please. It drove me crazy. Somebody tell me the legend, please. <laughs> that's very cool. Right? Right? Well, I'm just gonna go. D-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d. Portugal! The one thing, the first thing I came across when doing the research, Portugal is known for keeping their cemeteries immaculate. These cemeteries are clean, trimmed, gorgeous, yeah. well maintained. Well maintained. We
0: tend to like just pop people out and then. Maybe somebody mows the lawn? (laughs) Yeah, maybe somebody mows the lawn. You know, tombstones are in disrepair. Yeah, it's... Knocked mm -hmm. over, lost. Yeah. Yeah, so what is their
1: cemetery situation like? Um, Like their burials, I mean. They do niches in ground and mausoleums. Mm. I don't know if this is in the whole country or if it's just this one cemetery in Agramenta, but... The coffins in the mausoleums are visible. You know, if you, like, peek into a mausoleum here, you just see, like, the plaques on the wall and the coffins are in the wall. Not so in this cemetery or in Portugal. It's, they're on a shelf. They're right there. You can see them. And you can see it if it's, like, falling apart or something like that. So they're set on shelves instead of hidden away. All of the villages belong to a burial society. I love this. And I think, I I mean, it's just never going to fly in America because we don't have a strong sense of community. But it raises funds within the community for every funeral. That's very cool. Right? I mean, nobody has to worry about their costs of their funerals Mm -hmm. because everybody pitches in and they're very simple funerals. So it's not like they're paying for the lady of the village to like have this great elaborate funeral. And then somebody else is like, Oh, let's just toss them in a hole real quick. You know, like it, it seems very egalitarian across the board. I know that people
0: are affected here that end up doing cremation or something like that because they don't have any other options when it's not their, their family's, final wishes
1: or right. whatever and that sucks it does yeah so they I mean there's not a lot of options in Portugal but it's societal not right. necessary yeah. like it's it's just the, the the societal pressure the funerals are pretty casual actually the families will wear black but everyone else pretty much just dresses what I kept seeing seeing called smart casual or just everyday clothes. Mm -hmm. They're rolling up in overalls and stuff like that Mm -hmm. if they have to work that day or whatever. Uh, Except for the widows. The widows, of course, had to toe black. And simple, not elaborate. Some sources said they had to wear the black for at least two years, and some said they have to wear it for the rest of their lives. Wow. Like, it's either two years and then you can choose to wear it for the rest of your life if you want. Or you can, you know, go back to regular clothes. Or other sources said, no, that's it. Black forever for the widows. Yeah, that'd be no imposition to girls like us. (laughs) Right? I I mean, I like color once in a while. (laughs) There's usually a procession from the church to the gravesite, and everybody walks behind the hearse. They also, you know, have the viewing and stuff like that before... Leaving the church. Is it all
0: very Catholic?
1: Yes, very. I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Because it's Portugal, it's a hot climate, and there's no embalming, these funerals take place very quickly. And I've noticed that across the board in Southern Europe, it's like the next day or two. Yeah. Maximum was 48 hours for most of them. So... That makes sense with the atmosphere. Uh, In Portugal, they also, like... If they didn't have the coffin already open for the funeral, somebody has to take a quick peek in there before they leave the church. Really? Yes. There Why? has to be one last identifier. Yep, that's them. And then they can go. Do they, like, mix up the bodies? Must have. At some point, there must have been, like, during a plague, I don't know how long ago... Somebody there must have been a lot of mix ups or something. Well, if they wouldn't
0: have peaked, they wouldn't have known and everybody could rest.
1: <laughs> well so yeah, they, they glance one last time before they uh, take them to the cemetery. Well that's that's really interesting to me. And there's usually a special prayer for the deceased about a week later at Mass. That also happens in other countries. It's a Catholic thing, but I will go into more detail when we go to Spain. Okay. Well, I've got some information
0: in Malta. Everything that I read said that death was not taboo in Malta. Like, it's very normalized to talk about it and deal with it. Since it's smack dab in the middle of the Mediterranean, it kind of reflects the traditions of Italy and and Britain and France, but the citizens supposedly celebrate death and respect it a lot. They will announce the obituaries over the radio every morning. and That's
1: kind of neat. That is
0: kind (laughs) of neat. And also, because Malta's so small, it's so very, very covered up in churches, and so all of the churches ring bells at 3 p.m. and 8 p.m., To mark the beginning of, like, funerals and stuff. So, I thought that was cool. They do a lot of burial at sea, I read. Well,
1: yeah, there's no room. Yeah, there is no room.
0: Also, I think I bumped into Malta. I don't remember which other part in Europe we were talking about. But the white kerchief to tie the jaw thing. It was somewhere
1: in Eastern Europe. I think it was
0: Eastern Europe. They do that. That's common. So, traditionally, families in Malta have their own, like, family grave site where generations of families are able to be buried together and anyone that wants to be buried on the island but doesn't have their own personal site can get buried in common graves so the common graves will bury up to like four people I think it said and they're just all together and those are state owned and provided free of charge so that was cool but I just found the common grave thing interesting a little bit no judgment um,
1: I really want to be buried on Malta. <laughs> well I mean we're full up in this pit because there's already four but you know there's there's some room over here in this one.
0: well what happens is in the common graves they'll bury the four people together and they seal that specific grave for two years for decomp to take mm-hmm. place. And at the end of two years, they dig them up and then reuse the common grave for the next four or whatever. Oh,
1: okay, cool. I
0: don't know what they do with the remains that have decomposed at that point, but... They probably just leave it in there.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, there's probably not a lot. If I mean, there's no coffins or anything, so right. even the bones will decompose quickly. Well, they
0: they do the shrouding, I read. So, yeah, Is probably... Is Malta
1: predominantly Muslim? I don't know,
0: something for me to go research because I didn't even think to look.
1: <laughs> I, I'm just curious because that's
0: a, a shrouded Muslim. Thing. Yeah. yeah, I gotcha. The other thing I found interesting is that Malta, although it was legalized to cremate in 2019, they have zero crematoriums. They have nada. So what happens is you can be cremated, but what they do is they freight you by plane to England or Sicily, and then I guess they cremate you and then send your remains back to Malta? Huh. If, I guess you want to, if your family wants your remains or whatever, but yeah, they'll freight, they plane the bodies. They ship you
1: out, and they outsource all their crema- they, they cremations. They outsource their
0: cremations. The research that I found said that the, like I said, the government had approved it or whatever in 2019 And that they said that no permits had been approved though by people trying to build crematoriums, but that in summer 2022 that they were going to address that. I don't know, it might be a more pressing concern now because of COVID. Could be. Oh, going back to the shrouding and the kerchief Mm -hmm. stuff, one of the oldest traditions from the pre-modern period that I guess moved on was salting the body, so apparently as a method of preserving the body, they used to soak the body in like a saline solution, but they don't do that anymore. So to carry on tradition or whatever, modern
1: families, I guess, will put salt on the body, like symbolically. Okay. Why would you want to preserve anyone when you're just trying to get them to decompose so that you can use their spot? Good question. I wonder if it
0: makes a difference if you're using one of the family grave sites that, you know, generations and generations get, so. I don't know. Also, mirroring the other parts of Europe that we had researched, too, I read that they also, since the bodies were kept in the house before the funeral, will cover the mirrors and do all of that. So it said that they will cover or remove the mirrors from the home and that they will take the furniture out of the room to prevent it from being tainted by the dead.
1: Oh, huh, Okay.
0: But it also said stuff like that they will sometimes remove the knobs and knockers from the door and leave their
1: door shut for several days. I don't know. Huh. It sounds like it gets a little too complicated to find on the internet. Like, that's something you have to be there to know. Yeah, and that's what I've got on Malta. All right. Tiny little Malta. How about Spain? This, I think it's actually my longest section of notes because Spain has... I want to say it was 15 separate states or provinces or whatever. And they used to be all not unified. And that made them all, like, their own very specific cultures. 15 different regions, 15 different cultures. Some of them even have different languages. I'll get to that in a second. But Spain is now unified, and I don't even know when that happened. Like, I know nothing of the history of Spain. I just thought it was always Spain. (laughs) And it's very Catholic as well. Again, usually buried within 24 to 48 hours. Last rites and communion are actually offered in anticipation days or weeks before. If someone is ill or very old and infirm, they will go ahead and do last rites and all that stuff and then just wait. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, sometimes people can hang on for longer. And they're like, do we need to redo this? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I have no idea. I don't know what the the time limit, like if there's an expiration on last rites. So when a person passes, the police are called and the family doctor. And then after that, the funeral director. And the funeral director does everything. Mm-hmm. The family does not arrange the funeral at all. It's all done by the director, which is probably why it's all pretty cookie cutter and not very individual or personal. And they arrange for the body to be taken from the home and placed in a tenatorio, which is a small chapel called a chapel of rest attached to the church. And this is the same in Portugal and Andorra. They all have these uh, tenatorios. And the coffin is placed behind glass so that they can do the viewing and the wake. And there's always someone sitting vigil with the casket. Or it can be like a rotating thing with different family members. But, but there's stays. always somebody in the tenatoria with you. There are curtains on the glass so that if you don't want to see your family member while you're sitting there, then you can just draw the curtain. Funerals are... Often invite by word of mouth because obituaries get printed like way after the funeral's already happened. They're taken from the tenatoria to in a hearse. The hearses are really crazy looking over there. They're like part van, part truck, part hearse. And some of them have really long windows so that you can like see... Like it's all glass in the back so that you can see the casket. And everyone walks behind that hearse unless it's too far or, you know, grandma's too old to make the trip. But usually everybody just walks behind the, the van. Oh, and the service itself actually takes place in the cemetery graveside. So they there's not much that's done funeral ritual-wise mm-hmm. in the church or the tenatoria. Again, mourner's clothing, dark, not elaborate, not formal. You're going to look weird if you're the one in formal dress unless you're the widow and some folks do wakes or you know gatherings after funerals to do all the memories and stuff like that and some people actually really think it's offensive really to do that on the day that you buried the person Mm. because instead of wakes Nine days after the death, the family organizes a rosario, which is a ceremony where memories and stories are told and prayers are said. And then every year after that, a rosario is held on the anniversary of the death. Was there any reason it's nine days? I don't know. It's probably some kind of Catholic thing. Well, yeah, because
0: that's what I was getting at. Because with everything else we've seen with orthodoxy, there's all the... I rules mean, with the, th- the days and then the forty days and then the year and then the three. Yeah. there's a lot. Of the days. numerology
1: is pretty intense. Like you gotta be good at math to be a <laughs> Catholic. At- cremation is not common. Folks are almost always buried in those same niche tombs and then moved to a common grave. There are some ground graves. So in the autonomous region of Basque or Bosque, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. They have their own language and different superstitions and customs. For instance, the folks will burn the bed of the deceased on the side of the road that leads to the cemetery. Like, not even in your own lawn. Mm -mm. Like, you drag that thing all the way to... Because nobody lives on the road that the cemetery is on. Nobody wants to live on the road of death. Like, mm mm-mm. Oh. So, you drag your deceased loved one's bed all the way down there and set fire to it. (laughs) Is that so the spirit can't come back to the bed or whatever? I'm not certain. Not about the spirit as much as it's about death itself. Mm. Or what may have killed them. Like... This probably started right. during a disease era, and I'm not sure that it's very common anymore. The Basque believe there is no good life without a good death, and a bad death is a painful one or the result of witchcraft. Oh. yeah, 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 And these—I mean—it's a very rural country, so mm. none of this is shocking to me. Mm. Oh, one of my favorites. If there's a gentle rain at the moment of a person's death, that means they're going to heaven. But if there's a storm, that means they're going to hell.
0: (laughs) I think I ran into into some rain with uh, grease, but we'll talk about that later. Okay.
1: See, this is why I don't think the dead bother them, because there used to be a tradition of burying their dead beneath their floorboards and considering the dead still active members of the family. Okay,
0: but I love that, to be honest with you. I love that.
1: I kind of like the idea of talking about somebody like they're still there. Mm -hmm. Not so much underneath the floorboards that's got to smell. I mean, I'm sure they're using lime or something. I don't care. (laughs) Like... Well, maybe not under
0: the floorboard specifically, but the fact that they're still part of the family actively and that right. they're so close that it just, you know.
1: And, I mean, if you own that house, then you can put whatever you want under it, I guess. You don't have to worry about affording a f- plot. Or anything like that Mm -hmm. in the cemetery. So, yeah, that's the Basque region. I got a little bit on Catalonia. That is another region in Spain. And they are actually known to have their own style of coffin that is all glass. Glass? So, right, for the viewing. Oh. So, (laughs) so, do they keep them in the glass? Yeah. Huh. Like, the, the coffins are glass and you can actually see into some of the niches. Like, a lot of them are covered over with, you know, the plaque that has your name and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you can see into some of them, and you can see into the glass coffins and see the bones.
0: This reminds me of our boy in... Where was he? Texas? Florida? The exploding one, wasn't that Yes!
1: Glass? In St. Augustine. Mm. Yes, that was a glass coffin. And they were Spanish. Mm. Interesting. I never put... Huh. I'm gonna dive a little deeper into that (laughs) and then in Andalusia that's where most of Spain's Muslim population is so that's where if they're allowed to they will do coffinless burials in most of Spain that is not allowed coffinless Mm -hmm. is not allowed to the point where if they can't move their deceased to Andalusia to have a proper Muslim burial they will drill holes into the coffins. I'm not certain what that accomplishes. We haven't covered exactly why. I mean, it's a religious thing. I don't know if the dirt needs to get in there or if they need to get out. I'm not real sure yet. But when we finally tackle religions themselves, I think those questions will be answered. <laughs> because I, I do need to know about Muslim funerals. I, this has nothing to do with
0: anything... Is the, is Andalusia where Disney got
1: Andalasia? I have no idea. Holy shit! Okay, go ahead. But it's funny that you brought that up because when I was researching, and I was I was like, Queen of the Andals?
0: <laughs> like
1: I went Game of Thrones. <laughs> you went Game of Thrones, I went Disney. Typical, <laughs> right? right? Okay, so they end up drilling holes in the coffins. None of them are happy about this, obviously. And they are trying to fight for better access to funerals that go along with their religious okay. beliefs. So they're actually, like, fighting for funeral rites mm. in their country right now. And that is all I've got on Spain. Beautiful. Well, I've got a little bit of Greece. So with Greece, as
0: is common with most of our research, we bump into the Orthodox traditions a lot. Mm -hmm. And so
1: I'm not going to talk that to death. So basically Greek Orthodox is the same as Eastern Orthodox, or at least similar? A lot of it, especially with like Russian Orthodox,
0: seems to be very similar. We'll start with a little bit of ancient Greece. So in ancient Greece women were highly involved in the funerals and not only would they cleanse and dress the body and they would be the ones to be putting coins under their tongues. In ancient Greece priests and priestesses weren't allowed to enter the house of the dead or attend the funeral rites. In ancient Greece I guess they believed that death was like spiritually polluting and they didn't want their priests and priestesses to be tainted because those people were closer to the gods. And they believed that death could, like, even sicken the gods. So... Huh. Death
1: is all-powerful. Death Which is all-powerful. It's true.
0: <laughs> death is gonna get everybody. It's as, as facts. In ancient Greek temples, they even had inscriptions warning that people that had recently had contact with dead weren't welcome to enter. So you had to have a good chunk of time for your, like, death right cooties to, like, dissipate. <laughs>
1: You couldn't just take a bath?
0: And, I guess not. I huh. mean, there there may be some kind of like, I figure if you could take a bath, why would they have inscriptions on the temple saying you can't come in? I don't know. Interesting. Getting to modern Greek funerals, although a lot of it is defined by the Greek Orthodox tradition, we do have a few superstitions and regions that have a little few different customs that they're not as prevalent and obviously the more urbanized areas but they still exist again all windows have to be open fresh air because I guess that transferred in time through the ancient Greek ideas about death being impure and like dirty so open windows and whatnot fresh air is supposed to counteract the death cooties I guess so air out the death cooties Air out to death, cuties. You aren't supposed to clean your house on the day of the death of a loved one. Death will claim the soul of other people if you clean your house on
1: a day that your loved one dies. So death is like, oh, hell no. I'm going to get another one. Yeah. Um, You're not cleaning me out of here just yet. (laughs) disrespectful. This is where I found a a little factoid
0: that told me that the Greek verb to kill is katharizo. Okay. Which means to kill, but I fact checked that. And although it does mean to clean and sometimes can be used to like purge and purify and like in a more biblical sense, the word to kill is not the same. Oh, okay, good. So, but I do wonder if that's
1: where catharsis comes from. Because... It's like when something is cathartic, doesn't it purge? Purge or, yeah. you know, move a blockage of some kind. It's
0: like cleaning out. It's, it's right? like a spiritual it trend. It has to
1: be related to that word. It's gotta be. <sighs> it's
0: gotta be. Oh, going back, I forgot this. So, where I told you that women are probably involved in funerals, mm-hmm. in some areas in modern Greece, women that have attended funeral rites aren't allowed to be near babies for the same reason. <laughs> so they don't sicken the baby. Death cooties. Death cooties. Those death cooties. And also people that just attended a funeral can't just go directly home. They have to like go somewhere else for a while to like air out. <laughs> oh my I don't
1: God. <laughs> Funeral cooties. And this is all still ancient Greece, right? No, like, some of this stuff
0: still happens still... in
1: the more rural areas. I'm told. Okay. They take their death cooties very seriously. But at the same, I mean, we make fun, but having lived through COVID, it has really spun my, the way I view things. Before, I would have been like, oh, yeah, death cooties, whatever. But now it's like, maybe, yeah. I mean, pandemics trashed the shit out of communities and countries for centuries. So that whole death cooties thing could have started during a plague and they're like serious about it
0: like mm-hmm. right also in greece if it rains on the day of a funeral the deceased was a good person they don't necessarily go to heaven but they're good okay um but if someone dies on christmas day they automatically go to heaven because the gates are always open to heaven on christmas that's what the, that's the said. first i've ever heard of that i've never heard of that either. Well. Wow. But people that die on Tuesday are considered sinners because Tuesday are, unquote, bad days.
1: What the fuck is wrong with Tuesdays? I don't know. It,
0: because the article I was reading was, like, something about how, how in most countries, Fridays are bad days. I've never heard Friday being a bad day. Except for Friday the 13th. Right. Neither have I. I don't know. But apparently in Greece, Tuesday's the bad day. So if you die on Tuesday, you're a shithead.
1: I don't know. <laughs> Huh. You can't help what day you die. Like, oh, can you imagine if you're really sick and it's, like, Monday night? Shit, she's gonna make it to Wednesday.
0: Wednesday, 1201. Done. <laughs> oh, my God. Or how traumatic it would it be if, you, like, your favorite person in the world, your beloved grandma, died on Tuesday and you know that she's been to church every right? minute it was open and you know that she's perfect. Not perfect, but you know what I mean. Right. How traumatic would it be if you thought, Oh shit. Huh.
1: It's kinda depressing. Maybe there's a workaround that we don't know about in the afterlife.
0: <laughs> the only other thing I can find on Greece is that another feature they have is that after the funeral they gather for the coffee of consolation. There's somewhere else that we've read about that yeah, had coffee. Um,
1: Denmark? Maybe it was Denmark. It was or the Netherlands. Yeah. That sounds more right. I think it was the Netherlands.
0: Well, anyway, so attendees will gather and share stories for three or four hours and I guess have coffee. I don't... Yeah, the whole coffee and cake thing. Uh So that's how
1: they do wakes, I guess. I suppose. A little coffee with their death cuties. <laughs> well, I mean, they can't go home, so they gotta go somewhere yeah. and have their coffee <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, it's been a few hours. I don't think I'll take the death cooties home.
0: We really are not bashing. Like, I know sometimes we are giggly,
1: but we are not totally insensitive here. It just sounds like it. It just sounds like it. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for me to be a little insensitive? Are, are we done with Greece? Yeah, we're done. We're done okay. with Greece. Where are we going? We're going to Italy. Okay. Oh my God. Italians, I I mean, Italians are extra about every fucking thing. Saluto is the ritual morning practice that involves black clothing, black veils for women, I actually have one of those, and the rhythmic beating of the chest and head while moving back and forth. Sometimes they even rip out their own hair. Is this, like, ancient Italy or is this current Italy? I
0: don't mean ancient Italy, but, like, modern or pre-modern? It
1: started... It says the practice became popular in the 20th century, so that's oh. that's the 1900s. It's not so common anymore, but they still do it. Okay. This dramatic way of showing grief was also to encourage the people surrounding the mourners to participate and experience the mourner's grief because misery loves company. <laughs> But no, really, that's, like, why they're so dramatic about it. Because they, you kind of join in. I don't know if it's because, like, everybody in Italy is an empath or if because they don't want to be seen as not... Emotional. Yeah.
0: I guess I could see that because, uh, you know, there have been funerals I've been at where I'm perfectly fine, but witnessing other people crying makes me
1: way more upset and crying, Same. you know? Yeah. So it's
0: similar. It's just a little bit more right. dramatic. Right. I'm
1: almost never crying for the deceased so much as their survivors. Right. This practice became popular in the 20th century, but it's also already starting to die out surprisingly being suppressed by the catholic church itself of course which sees the practice as heretical basically it's too dramatic for the catholic church okay most catholic people in the world are italians and the catholic church is like you're being too catholic <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what it sounds that's like to me. The facts, straight facts. Yeah, man. Almost all funerals are Catholic funerals. Even unbaptized babies and non-Catholics will get Catholic funerals, unless otherwise specified. The reasons to not have a Catholic funeral is if someone was so sinful and scandalous in their life, they would be that. That would be too problematic for the church. And they would not get a Catholic funeral. Like they have to be a heavy sinner to be considered unworthy of a Catholic funeral. And also heretics, people that are in direct open opposition of the church. So Well, like, at least we won't get accidentally right? married Catholic in Italy. <laughs> You can be cremated. Like there have been new rules on this. I don't remember which Pope, like the current one or the guy before him said that cremation was actually acceptable, but it still makes them cringe really bad so that they don't do a lot of cremation in Italy. And even if you do, you cannot keep or scatter the ashes. They have to be housed in a mausoleum or a columbarium. I'll never understand that. And otherwise, Italy is just so damn Catholic that I couldn't find a whole lot, so it's actually pretty short.
0: Come on, Italy. We were rooting for you and your
1: dramatic cuts. In Italy is San Marino, and it's one of the little independent city-state deals tiny, landlocked, Italy-locked country in the Apennine Mountains when San Marino offered refuge to many Italians being persecuted for trying to unify the kingdom of Italy. They also offered refuge. They were so thankful that afterwards, when Italy was unified and that whole deal was over, then they signed a treaty of friendship with San Marino and allowed them to keep their independence because Mm. San Marino wouldn't acknowledge Italy anyway. So yeah, they got to say their own thing they are the oldest republic in the world the oldest still running republic in the world i didn't know that Uh, right unfortunately in 2020 they had the highest death rate per capita in the world because of covid they're a little isolated mountain town well i mean it's more than town it hit them hard and it hit them bad To the point where um, when the EU was so slow getting out vaccines to the rest of Europe, San Marino was actually like, yo, Russia, you got that Sputnik vaccine. And yeah, so they got their vaccines from Russia because it was so bad. Wow. Which is kind of interesting because Russia actually released or published a list of countries that they consider unfriendly to Russia. And San Marino's on the list. (laughs) (laughs) But they gave them vaccines. I don't know. Pretty much all funerals, Catholic, Catholic, Catholic. Right. And even though they don't recognize the political powers of the Vatican and the Pope and stuff like that, they still recognize him as a spiritual authority. And there are eight cemeteries in the entire country. I actually could count them on Google Maps. It's amazing. Well, how big? Like, how big? I mean, it is not big at all. (laughs) Like... I can't remember. It's still bigger than Vatican City, which is very, very tiny. I mean, it was like probably the size of New York City, maybe. Mm -hmm. And it had like three towns, eight cemeteries, and I could count all of them. (laughs) (laughs) And they have niche tombs, ingrown graves, and mausoleums. So that's Little San Marino. The Vatican was surprisingly interesting. Considering it is tiny as fuck and the seat of Catholicism. This first bullet I just like copied and pasted from the article that I was reading. Encircled by a two mile border with Italy, Vatican City is an independent city state that covers just over a hundred acres, making it one eighth the size of New York's Central Park. Not one eighth the size of New York City itself. Just Central Park. I have no you idea you could fit Vatican City in the park. And the whole thing is walled off. I think I already said that though. The Vatican mints its own euros, prints its own stamps, issues passports, license plates, operates media outlets, and has its own flag and anthem. The only thing it doesn't have is taxation, which I find hilarious. Because, you know, it's the Vatican. <laughs> <laughs> I see you, I hear you. Museum admission fees, stamps, and souvenir sales generate the Vatican's revenue so they don't have to tax the 806 residents of the city. (laughs) So yeah, there's the Holy See is what it's called, and there's only 806 residents there. And many of the people that are actually considered residents actually live abroad, which could mean they live down the street in Rome. These include various members of the clergy, the Swiss Guard, and other various people that work in Vatican City. There are only 13 families that live there, including the papal gardener and his wife and children, and the head electrician and his wife and children. In fact, recently one of his daughters got married and she had to move out because she was no longer allowed to live in Vatican City and no one is allowed to live in Vatican City after they've retired from their service. So the Swiss Guard, I think you can serve 40 years or you retire at 40, I don't remember which it was, but everybody that works for the Swiss Guard when they retire, they have to bounce and so does their family. There are no hospitals in Vatican City, so no one is born there. They also don't have a death rate. They have no birth rate. They have no death rate because there's no hospital, so they never... Like, unless they die in their bed at home, they don't die in Vatican City. So, like, the last person to die there was the Pope.
0: (laughs) So what if they do die in... I mean, I know there's only 13 families and 800 people. Uh,
1: Then their death rate goes up for a minute and then it goes back down the next year when nobody dies. (laughs) Yeah. Ironically, it actually has the highest crime rate per capita, and it's not because of the residents, it's because of all the tourists that come in and pickpocket and mug and do all the things to the other tourists that are there. And, yeah. (laughs) That's dark. So, like, yeah, people, like, from surrounding Rome will... Come into basically in order to get in Vatican City, you have to buy a ticket, and you have to meet their dress code. And as long as you meet their dress code and you have a ticket and you're not like a known heretic, you're allowed in Vatican City. So these tourists and people that live in Rome, you know, they buy a ticket for the day and they hang out and pickpockets from all the like American tourists stuff like that. Like it's bad to the point where. The Vatican's website has warnings about pickpockets and stuff like that. Jeez. Luckily, most of it's not a violent crime. Like, they're not going to kill you if you, they can't get your purse or something. And only one case of murder I could find, and it was in 1998. It's very famous, but they suppressed as much as they possibly could about the information of this case, of course. But in 1998, a young Swiss guard murdered his unit commander, Eloise Estermann, and his wife, Gladys Mezzo Romero, and then completed suicide himself after killing them. Mm. But aside from those three deaths... No deaths. No deaths except for Pope John Paul.
0: But the way the
1: Catholic Church hides things, there could be... I mean, right? They could be. They really could be a little bit of ancient history saint peter's basilica is built on top of a pagan necropolis from the ancient roman times not caligula the other one with the fiddle nero that's him he actually crucified saint peter and then buried him in a shallow grave on the vatican hill so they think saint peter's basilica is buried on top of his grave and there's like catacombs and stuff like that underneath the basilica that has been there since ancient times. And on St. Peter's Basilica is the Door of the Dead, which was sculpted by Giacomo Manzu in 1964. It's made of ten bronze panels depicting the meaning of Christian death and is on the leftmost side of the narthex of St. Peter's Basilica. It was traditionally used for an exit during funerals, so even though you're not dying in the Vatican City, your funeral can be held there because it's St. Peter's Basilica. Mm. (laughs) Like, if you were any important person in Catholicism, that's where your funeral was. Some of the panels depict the deaths of Mary, Jesus, a couple popes, a couple saints, and Abel. It also has depictions of grapevines and wheat which symbolize the wine and bread of the Eucharist. And my favorite part, there's animals on it, and also depicts a blackbird, a dormouse, a hedgehog, an owl. A tortoise and a raven. I need to know why there's a tortoise. I know that we covered flighted death omens. Now we have to do terrestrial death omens. Right. I need to know <laughs> what's up with that. The dormouse, the hedgehog, and the tortoise. Do they represent death? In I I gotta know. It, we have
0: to know because we've got the owl and the raven and the blackbird, and they do. Yeah.
1: So the dormouse I'm and the hedgehog. I'm dying the to know why they're on there. Huh. So yeah. And, oh, I think we are done. It's interesting. Yep. Yep. Very cool. Shoo. That was a lot. That was a lot. We're a little bit out of practice. We've had a little brief hiatus while yeah. we were sick and down with life. And yep. Yeah, you got a new job, and then you got sick.
0: And then you <laughs> got COVID.
1: I, mean, I got fucking you- COVID! Fucking finally! I hated it! But I am glad I did lose my sense of smell and taste uh for like two days. At least it was just two days. And I'm very glad that it came back so that I could continue to taste desserts. I was like, what am I gonna do? I saw so, as it completely came back for my brother. Still hasn't completely it hasn't completely for me either. I'm at like eighty percent. Mm. The other night I was sleeping and I had my i head like resting on my hand. And I inhaled, and I was like, I can't smell my own skin. Like, I don't know what I smelled like before, <laughs> and, like, I was like, I can't smell anything. And I tried to smell my, my pillow, and I couldn't smell my pillow. And I guess if it's, like, a very subtle odor or fragrance, I can't pick it up. Well, that'd be Like, right. it has
0: to, like... If you can smell your baby and you can smell food, you don't need to smell anything else. I can
1: smell my baby when his diaper needs changed.
0: Well, that's not good. Yeah,
1: it sucks. But like when it first came back, I wouldn't describe it as smell. I could just detect that there was something in the toaster oven because I had <sighs> jalapeno poppers in the toaster oven. And I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, is it back? And I immediately ran into the bathroom. And the first thing I did was bust open a bag of lavender bath bombs. and stuck my face <laughs> in it. And I was like, Yes! <laughs> And then I just ran all over the house smelling different things. I ran in the den because there was, like, a box of cookies in there. And I was like, oh, chocolate chip. <laughs> that's great. It was funny. Well, hopefully COVID's
0: behind us and, you God. know, all of my family funerals are behind us. And,
1: yeah, really, you know,
0: I'll acclimate to the new job thing and we'll just
1: poke along with life. Yep. Yeah, we can do it. We can do it. So, yeah, that's why we're... Not on the top of our game today, folks, in case you didn't notice. (laughs) Announcements. Christina's coming to the States, and we are going to have her on the podcast. She's not an expert in death in any kind of way. She's just a rad person, and we haven't seen her in six years. So she will be guest starring with us in one of our December episodes. I'm really excited about it.
0: We don't really have an itinerary for the next few weeks, so we're going to figure that out.
1: Yeah, we do need to re- redo our schedule completely because this fall has just really taken it out from under us. All artwork and editing is done by Zaria. Research was done by both of us. Dessert was done by me. And, and amazing. <laughs> Thanks. And King Arthur Flower. <laughs> <laughs> As always, you can find us on Instagram at Death and Desserts Podcast. On Twitter, we never had a blue check. We're definitely not paying for one. At Death underscore desserts. On TikTok at Death and Desserts. And Facebook at Death and Desserts Podcast. All our links, including our website, which I haven't even glanced at in like months. <laughs> Nobody else has either. Don't worry. <laughs> right? are available on our Instagram bio. I will be posting some photos of some of these cemeteries because they were fascinating. Like the ones in Andorra, just a wall of niche graves in the mountain. That's all it is.
0: If you could find a picture of that hearse van thing, you. Were oh, I do. About, I have one.
1: Yeah, post that. I want to see it. I absolutely will. Sweet. Join us in two weeks when we will be discussing who knows what and eating who
0: knows what yeah
1: <laughs> no idea it'll be a surprise just just yeah. show up <laughs> and remember life is short have dessert